Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and I welcome you to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Our guest today, Corey Pereira, is a perfect person to be teaching us about better life strategies and that's what we're going to talk about all hour. During the next hour, you're going to understand strategies for improving life on a daily basis, for living with passion, for decreasing negative energy, and for increasing positive energy. And our guest today, Corey Pereira, is an award-winning keynote and TEDx speaker, host of the top-rated Conversations with Passion show, which features the likes of Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul and John Gray of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. He's also an international best-selling author who has interviewed 3,000-plus super achievers, and he's uh, here today to share with us some better life strategies. Welcome to you, Corey. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marnie. I'm so excited to be here and to, of course, share some both better life strategies and also uh, to share some passion, if I can, as well. Well, that's awesome. And when you say you're excited to be here, you're excited to be here, but you are just wherever you are on any whichever day, aren't you? <laughs> you do a lot of traveling. And uh, yeah. that's why I love I love radio, because you can be wherever you are and still be here. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say that I, uh, I, I've often said, and it might sound kind of um, – hokey or corny or what have you, but I carry my own sunshine wherever I go as well because I do believe in the uh, the power of a person finding their passion, and, and I think sometimes, you know, we feel that we have to be a certain place to be happy, and for me, I've learned that as much as I travel, that I better bring my own sunshine or I'm not going to see it all the time. Well, that is so true. That is so true. You've got a book project that you're working on right now, which I get to be part of, which I'm so excited. And you've been interviewing um, achievers, super achievers, for a long time. Can you maybe tell us where that passion came from? How did you ever decide that that's what you were going to do? Well, I have to say it kind of evolved a little organically, but it definitely had a a starting point, if you will. And, And the starting point was back when I was, I guess, roughly, I'm I'm going by memory here, Uh, roughly 19 years of age, I launched a business newspaper, and there's a whole backstory to that, but, uh, you know, I don't have to go into the whole backstory to just say that when I started doing the interviews to bring the paper together and share Mm -hmm. the stories for the paper, it ultimately meant that I was interviewing local entrepreneurs, and I kind of, I've often said that I kind of became a little obsessed with it, you know, learning what made them tick. And, you know, whenever I talk enlightened super achievers, which I can, you know, define later on if you want, but, um, you know, I don't try to say that a, a small business owner can't be an enlightened super achiever. But back when I was doing those first interviews, I was kind of interviewing everybody with a heartbeat. So there wasn't any kind of criteria on it. And <laughs> so it started in the way that I became sort of a little obsessed by interviews and the fact that I was able to learn so much about success and leadership and passion and all these great areas that I didn't know a lot about by picking the brains of other people and then sharing kind of the best of with others. And I kind of got a little excited and and obsessed by that. And then what happened is that evolved into 2007, me kind of relaunching a similar newspaper, uh, then that turning into a book series, and finally the, uh, the Conversations with Passion radio show. So, you know, now I guess probably eight years of just constant, at least every week, multiple interviews, and sometimes every day. And that all evolved from those first interviews and, and me getting a little bit of a taste for the fact that you could learn so much from a person if within, you know, an hour's time as long as you planned appropriately. You know, I just love I just love that you've written some books and you're coming out with a new one again. Like I said, uh, I, I love, I'm so grateful to authors. I've written stuff on myself, but when I read a book, I feel like I get the like the cream of the crop of that person's brain, (laughs) you know, dumped into me. You know, they spent months or years 
getting it laid out just like that for my benefit, and I can just read it in a couple hours or, you know, dissect it over a period of a month and really uh, get so much from it. Tori, when you think about um, people who have had the most influence on you personally, like authors, who would you who would you say bubbles right to the surface? Well, I have to, I mean, the first go-to one always for me, and, you know, I say it, and, and I know somebody that's, you know, heard me say it in the previous interview is going to go, well, Corey, you know, that's kind of like a broken record. Why do you always share that one? But you got to be true to who you are, and, you know, if a right. book was a game changer for you, I think you have to continue to spread that message because you never know when you might reach somebody else who says, I need a book like that, and I'm going to now pick it up. And so for me, that first book, and there's, there's definitely, I can tell you, even the top three, but the number one, without exception, without hesitation, was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And why that one was so significant to me, Marnie, is that it was the first book I ever read in my life. And this is the maybe shocker for anybody who is hearing this and hearing me for the first time, it was actually at 27 years of age when I finally finished my first book cover to cover. And so so much later in life, it obviously became a game changer because, you know, now I'm reading three to four books a month and I hadn't come across until that book the one that was going to pull me in. Mm, I love that. Because I didn't really learn how to read until I was an adult. I totally get that and I love that. So um, what what are your number two and three? Number two is another, so the Dale Carnegie one is, I think, a common answer that people, you know, get often when they ask that question. And, I mean, the numbers I've heard in the past are that it's still selling a million copies a year, and it was written in 1936. So it's not surprising people still cite it as a game changer. And, obviously, uh, one of the questions that we had for, we had, um, we interviewed Zig Ziglar, the late, great Zig Ziglar, and I asked him a question, you know, what does he choose to read? And this was before he passed away, and he said he always tries to read something that's going to improve his life, change his life for the better, or what other people recommend. And so, you know, when I tell people, they say, what book should I start reading? Well, they say, I don't feel bad saying Dale Carnegie's because if it's still selling a million books a year, it's obviously a book that you can recommend without hesitation or fear. So second book is similar to that. It's still selling roughly around the same amount of copies based on everything I've heard. It was written almost around the same timeline, just as much of a classic. It's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that book, like the Dale Carnegie one, has been a game changer for many a people. Finally, the one that's more modern and more up-to-date, so out of the three I can give one that's a little bit newer, and actually even in the last five years, is a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, who's the publisher of Success Magazine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all really great, great books and great authors. Okay, you told us at the beginning that you would give us a definition for an enlightened super achiever. So what is your definition for this amazing ESA person? Well, and I have to say, I have to add in that this has been more recent that I added the enlightened part on because I was literally running with the superachiever term. And and a good friend of mine recently, actually, probably in the last few months, we were sitting down for supper, and and she said, well, you know, talk about this superachiever and what does that mean? And I, I explained what it meant to her. And as I was explaining it, I realized that there is a difference, and I explained the difference between superachiever and high achiever. But I realized that it spoke to her, but because she's into energy work, and she's actually a Reiki master, she was kind of like, you know, well, okay, so is it just about money? And, and I always worried about people, you know, thought when I say super achiever, I'm talking people that either have the nice vehicles or they're running, you know, high end, let's say, company. And that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at, so an enlightened super achiever, what I'm getting at when I talk about that, it's somebody who's went to the next level. So you can have a super achiever, you can have a high achiever, let's say that's a CEO of a company, and they can be rotten to everybody they come across. It doesn't change the fact that they're still a higher super achiever, but it doesn't obviously mean that's what we might want to model or become. You know, somebody <laughs> right. who's brought to people, but they're still highly successful. I worked in sales for 10 years, and some of my coworkers that were, you know, also super achievers were doing it at the cost of customers and were finding ways to mislead customers to make it happen. They were stepping over other salespeople, jumping into their territory and selling behind their back. And just because they're, it didn't stop them from being a top achiever and having their numbers at the top of the board, but it doesn't mean it's something that we want to encompass or, you know, emulate. Right. So the difference, and I can make this really a lot quicker, the difference between an enlightened super achiever and, let's say, a high achiever is an enlightened super achiever is somebody who is achieving at the highest level, but they're also taking others along for the ride. They're helping put the focus on other people. They're impacting in a positive way and making a difference in the lives of thousands, if not millions of people, and they're consciously doing it. So they want to actually bring other people up and lift other people up with them rather than just be an achiever for the sake of achieving. So if I drop names you know, that we've had on the show, a Jack Canfield, 
or I mentioned Zig Ziglar. Um, you know, those would be examples of enlightened superachievers because they've not only achieved at the highest level in their fields, but they've actually went out of their way to make sure they helped enough other people, as Zig Ziglar would have said, get what they want. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the concept of, and I love his quote that says, you can have everything in life if you want, if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And I think that quote really sums up well what an enlightened superachiever does. They want to actually make it about the other person, and their goal is to help other people also achieve at the highest level. Oh, I love that. And having that background on that platform, let's go ahead and talk to the listeners today, to me also, and to you, Corey. Uh, What can we do? What are some strategies for improving our life on a daily basis? Absolutely. And so what I'll do, Marnie, to make it easy, I think it's probably the easiest way that I can summarize this because there's a couple of different avenues and approaches I could take, but I think the one I'll take is the idea of the enlightened superachievers and what are some of the common traits we've discovered that they apply because what's Mm -hmm. really cool about the most common traits is it's stuff that you don't have to come from a certain background. It doesn't matter your heritage. It doesn't matter how much money you have, your education. These are all things that anybody can grow within themselves, so I think that's a great way to start. And to share, because it's stuff that we can all apply, rather than me saying, like, for instance, you know, you got to go and read X amount of books. You know, if I talk to a person who's not a reader today, that's great news, because now we're in a learning-on-demand world where I can, tell, I can tell them how to get audiobooks, I can tell them how to go yeah. online and watch TED videos, they can watch Read Success Magazine if they are a reader, they can listen to the CD inside Success Magazine if they're not. There's so many options. So rather than me come up with some strategies that they have to come from a certain background or have a certain skill main areas that I think that a person could focus on to get to that better life is, if this is probably first and foremost, and maybe maybe the most important, is finding their passion in life. And if they haven't found their passion, that's a deal breaker. I mean, it's, it's going to change all the rules. It's, and, and, you know, I put a quote up today that, that I believe is true. It's a formula almost, which is passion plus defined purpose plus action equals significance. And so the important note there is the fact that I know lots of people have a passion, but it's unbridled and unfocused. And, you know, they, they, they love life, but they're all over the place so much that they never really focus and they don't get as much done as they'd love. So I would add even in the defined purpose. So first, I guess, strategy for living a better life is to make sure that you take steps to find your passion if you haven't already, and I can share some of those steps, but take steps to find your passion and then define what your purpose is. What is the reason that you're here and how does it align with the passion and the things that kind of get you going and, and light you up? If a person can spend their time finding their passion, then they find their passion, and then they can define and live their purpose, I can almost guarantee you, based on experience, without exception, they're going to have a much better life than the person that never finds their passion. It amazes me always how many people um, don't have a clue about this. I always say when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. You're the only you that there will ever be. <laughs> we need you. And, you know, it's, a, it's really interesting to me that a lot of people have never really spent time identifying out who they are and what's unique about them and what really turns their crank and why they're here. And, Corey, when you work with superachievers, what you're telling us, these enlightened superachievers, what you're telling us is that they know this. Yeah, I, I'll go so far as to say, and this was a great discovery for me, I'll go far as, so far as to say, Marnie, that it's the number one trait, so I should mention, out of the top ten traits, it's the number one. And what's really cool about it is I had, hadn't found and haven't found a person that I would identify based on my criteria and what I've seen in interviews as a superachiever that hasn't found their passion and isn't living with purpose. I, so it, it's actually an absolute, it's 100%, whereas, of course, as you go down, the next trait is like 90 like it drops that much. So that's how strong having your passion is. It's going to be almost impossible for a person to, now, you know, we talk living a better life. Of course, you can start living a better life with tiny little changes, and you might never have to go beyond those tiny changes to live a better life. So what I'm going to say is that if you want to be an enlightened superachiever, it's going to be almost impossible if you don't find your passion. You can live a better life without finding your passion, but my my further point is why bother? If you know that it's possible to find your passion, why would you bother? Right. But you can. So there's definitely strategies that you can take to live a better life, even if it means not finding your passion. But I would say, first and foremost, invest the time to find your passion, and then you know, then work on the rest. This is Marty Fledberg. We're visiting today at Corey Perer of ThePassionCure.com. We're going to come right back and talk about how to find your passion and ways to live with your passion. We'll be right back. 
Christian Women's Event. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Spedberg. Our guest today from thepassioncure.com is Corey Perrier, and he is a speaker, an author, TEDx speaker, a radio talk show host, and he has interviewed over 3,000 enlightened superfuers over the years, and he's here sharing with us better life strategies. Corey, right before break, we were talking about the number one thing that is consistent among superfuers is that they understand their passion and they're living on purpose. So, what about for the listener who's like still mm, a little maybe unclear about what their purpose or passion is? Well, I, I guess, you know, I would say, and, and I was going to mention this too, Marnie, I, I think, you know, it's a great starting point for somebody who's looking as well for a strategy, you know, something I can actually start doing tomorrow. You know, because finding your passion, you know, some people spend, as you were alluding to too when you said, like, you know, so many people go through life, and I would say it's as high as 90% and never find their passion. So I can definitely give a person strategies to shorten that by a long time and by a long stretch. But for those, you know, it's still going to take time. And for those people that are saying, Corey, I want something I can do now or tomorrow, what I would tell them, I'll give you a strategy. I mean, there's plenty of these I can, I can go into, but I'll give you one that I think is probably along the lines of the most important. First of all, it relates to decreasing the negative energy in your life and increasing the positive energy. And I know we're going to talk about that a bit later, but one strategy in relation to that is to sit down and say, you know, make a list and say, who am I surrounding myself with every day? And so you put a list together, and let's say you have 12 people that you find that are in your life on a regular basis, whether it's a coworker, you know, a spouse, a uh, partner, uh, you know, your children or parents or friends. You make that list, and let's say it's 12 people, and what you do is you put a positive on one side and a negative on the other. Do is really think through and say, is this a person that adds value in a positive way to my life or takes away in a negative way? So is it a person that's always talking doom and gloom, you know, talking about the weather every day and, and telling you why your life sucks or telling you why you can't run this certain business? You know, the person that's kind of maybe always, for, even if they don't mean to, but they're always kind of chipping away at you in a negative way or adding some toxin into your life. And then I want them to go on the other list and look at the people that are adding value and positivity and people when they're surrounded by them, they're always smiling and they're happier. And what I want them to do is put the positives on one list, the negatives on another, and then I want them to do some simple math. So let's say, as an example, they find they surround themselves with nine negative people and three positive people. Well, I don't even think I have to continue the sentence to say that they're going to have a very tough time being a person that has a passionate life or a positive life or even at the very least live a better life than people that have a list of nine or ten positive. So if you have mostly negative that you're surrounding yourself with, negative people, you're going to have a very hard time when you wake up each day living a better life than the person that doesn't have that negative heavy list. So the first, I guess, area would be to make that list and then to start proceeding accordingly. Are there people that you could reduce the time you spend with? If it's a family member that you're really close with, obviously I'm not suggesting, I mean, you can go that extreme, but I'm not suggesting you, you put that person into your life. But maybe it just means if you're spending five hours a week with them, you now spend two. And then there might be some people that you say, you know what, they're just not conducive of my life if I want to be happy because if I'm, you know, if they're constantly telling me why I can't do anything, why I'm not a value, it's going to be hard for me to have, you know, a positive mind frame. So I think that's a really good strategy to start with is to make a list and say, who am I surrounding myself with? Because, you know, there's a great quote that says, you are the sum of both the environment. and the So that would be a great starting point, I think. Yeah. And I think for those people in your life, I always encourage people, if you have people in your life that are like that, that you definitely don't want to get rid of like a child or a spouse or something like that, then you want to, what you need to do then is you need to actually come at that as that this is, um, this is like boot camp. This is like exercise. This is like your workout. 
when you're really growing. That's when you're really stretched outside of your comfort zone, and those are the times when you probably can see the most growth in yourself. You don't want to have everybody around you be that, but when you have people that you do want to keep in your life that are negative influences on you, that's still a wonderful opportunity to grow as long as it's in balance. So love that, love that. Okay, what's another strategy for living with passion? For living with passion. So what I would say is this is probably a good starting point. And, you know, you mentioned the ebook that I'm working on. It's, I'm pretty excited because it's my first ebook. Uh, we have seven books out, but it's the first like, non-traditional ebook. And one of the strategies I talk about in more depth in the book, and I'm not saying this to sort of plug somebody to go grab the book, because as you know from our talk, Marnie, the first month when it comes out, it's going to be completely free. <laughs> so it's not like I'm trying to make extra money off somebody with the book. But uh, one of the strategies that I can share here, and I can tell you I go a lot more depth about it in the book, is expanding your comfort zone. So what I've discovered after a lot of years of expanding my own comfort zone and and having a small comfort zone is that it's going to be very hard for a person to become the best version of themselves and even more so find their passion if they never step outside their comfort zone. Typically speaking, my experience is all the good stuff, you know, begins where your comfort zone ends. You know, you got to get outside your comfort zone if you want to experience the best in life. And so, you know, a strategy that relates to that is, and this I, I really summarize well in the book, and it's maybe a bit harder to explain verbally, but I will do my best, is what I want a person to do, and I'd love to see a person do, is to draw a circle and put themselves in the middle, and then I want them to set, you know, they might already have goals written down. That's a whole other topic, but let's just say for the sake of the discussion, they have goals written down or that they're willing to do goals to try the strategy. You know, write down, say, their top three goals. And then what I want them to say is, okay, how far is that goal inside their comfort zone? So let's say one of the goals, like I did stand-up comedy, as we chatted about, well, let's say the goal is stand-up comedy. Well, you don't just, well, I mean, I kind of did in some ways, but I haven't seen many people that have, and I don't recommend a person jumps on the stage and starts performing. Uh, I can even tell you why with my very first story of performing stand-up comedy, why somebody shouldn't try that, because I learned from failing. Uh, But uh, what I will say is, let's say stand-up comedy is the example we're using as a goal you want to eventually try. So what you do is you draw your comfort zone and you put your name in the middle. And let's say your name is could be whatever, let's say John. You put John in the middle, and then what you do is you say stand-up comedy, okay, it's way outside of my comfort zone. You draw that circle, uh, you make sure that stand-up comedy, you show that it's well outside your comfort zone. And then what I want the person to do is list the things that are inside their comfort zone. So maybe it's talking to two people in a room, maybe it's talking to three people at once. And then I want them to put the things that are just outside their comfort zone, the baby steps, I'll call them. So it could be like, as an example, go to Toastmasters. So, you know, anybody listening on the show has been to Toastmasters or heard of it, Toastmasters is essentially a really easy way to break into the world of public speaking. You know, it's a, a really close-knit group where you can go. There's all kinds of to- uh, chapters. You can go into a room of comfort, watch other people introduce themselves and speak in public, and at your own pace eventually start the process. So if you want to do stand-up comedy, maybe a starting point is you uh, talk in front of three or four people that you know really well, like friends or family. The next stage, maybe you go to Toastmasters for a while and get comfortable eventually doing your icebreaker talk. And then, you know, eventually that maybe a next step could be you do a talk for 20 people in a room that's not Toastmasters. And it goes from there. So hopefully you can see where I'm driving at here is that basically what I'm saying is they need to find out where their comfort zone is, find out what's way outside of it, and then start finding ways to expand it in the baby step fashion so it doesn't seem overwhelming at first. And eventually what will happen is their comfort zone will grow to a point where they'll be able to do things they never thought possible and at the same time, the odds of them finding their passion will grow because they're growing their comfort zone so much that eventually it will encompass or probably will encompass their passion in the first place. Do you know of a simple way that somebody could even begin to narrow down? Maybe they don't want to be a speaker. Maybe stand-up comedy isn't, you know, ringing a bell for them. How would, it, how would somebody who hasn't really thought about this begin the process of identifying what their passion might be? Well, that's uh, another. That's a very a great question, and I mentioned earlier that I could absolutely share what I feel is maybe a shortcut to getting there, because I spent. I have to say, and you know, share this, Marnie, that I spent the first twenty years of my life passionless, if you will. I was definitely most people would say I was an enthusiastic person and energetic, and social and all those things, but I'm an introvert as well. And I, what a lot of people didn't know was I for my first early 20s, probably roughly four years, I battled generalized anxiety first for two years and then hypochondria for two years. What I've since discovered is that you can't be a person that has anxiety for that many years fully inside and also be a person filled with passion. The two can't exist together because whenever you're hypochondriac, for instance, you're thinking about, you hear about a disease and then you develop the symptoms. Well, you can't be a person that's constantly thinking, I'm going to die tomorrow and at the same time be a person that's full of passion. 
because it's, it's a positive energy. The two can't exist in the same body equally. So I know I was in passion the first 20 years. So the good news for you is I can tell you I found and, and stumbled across my passion. So I'm not a person that was born with it, so I can tell you from experience that you can find it. And it took me maybe a little longer than it had to, but I now can cite back and figure out what the dots were, as Steve Jobs would say, join at the dots, figure out what the dots were to help me find it, and I've since identified ways that people can shortcut that process. So the answer is, is that there's a few different strategies they can take. One would be, to, and it's all to do with brainstorming, sitting down with a pen and a piece of paper. I mean, they can go with a computer, but I'd recommend a pen and a piece of paper, um, just the way we learn and, and how much more creativity flies with a pen or pencil. And so what I would say is what I want them to do is make a list of the things that they did when they were a child, when money wasn't an issue and wasn't a factor at all. And what were the things that they lost track of time, the things that they got excited by, the things that you know they thrived in doing, the things that they spent the most time doing, or the things that put the smile on their face. I want them to make that list. I want them to add to that list what are the things that they do now that you know could be like playing guitar, for example. You know, I'm a musician, and whenever I play guitar, time stands still. I don't watch the clock. So what are the things that they do now that time stands still? Then I want them to continue on with that list. And so they're trying to build a fairly decent-sized list. Uh, what I also want them to do is to say if they won the lottery tomorrow and really meditate on what would they continue to do after the money was in their hands. Because most people love to say that they retire and sit on a beach. But I know for a fact that our identity for a lot of us is tied in with how we spend our time. And I think getting, sitting on the beach, as much as I love it, and anybody who knows me knows I'm a beach person. I was born on a beach island. <laughs> but you get bored of that after a while. So I would want them to say, what would they do if money was an issue because now they won the lottery? What would they still keep doing? Uh, and by the way, for me, you know, to prove the point, is I would still go out as a keynote speaker. I would still be speaking. I would still do right. stand-up comedy as a fun hobby. I would still go and play music in clubs. I would still put out CDs. All the things I'm doing now, I would still do. The things that I was doing as a career... Uh, before those, I enjoyed, I didn't love, I wouldn't have done those. I would stop doing those. But you need to find those things that you would love to do. So now we got a list of, you know, the things you would do uh, if you would won the lottery, the things that light the fire in your belly, the things that, you know, time stands still, the things you did as a kid that you loved. And I'll add one more. If, if you are, let's say, going to try something in life and you let somebody talk you out of it, so let's say you were going to go to clown college and your parents said, no, you've got to go to Stanford, and you let them talk you out of it, I can almost <laughs> guarantee that person there was a hint. There was a reason they wanted to go to clown college, and there's probably right. a hint for their passion at that fork where they let themselves be pushed off path. So add those to the list, too. And then what I want a person to do is go back to that comfort zone thing I mentioned. And now, so they, they made the list, and, of course, I want them to then go and say, now, now that I have this big list, let's eliminate the ones that aren't really that high on my priority. If I look at them all, there's obviously certain ones that as soon as I look at them, I get excited. I get a little fire in my belly. And other ones that I look at, I'm like, yeah, they're fun and time does stand still. Or they were fun when I was a kid. But, you know, I really, you know, or, or they, they've spent time since then doing it and it's boring to them now. Or they feel that if I did that too much, it would, it would you know, not be fun anymore or what have you. But now they have that list. They eliminate the ones that aren't as highest on the list. And maybe they're down to six things. So what I now want them to do is go back to that comfort zone strategy I just mentioned and see where those things are in terms of their comfort zone. Some of them might be already inside their comfort zone. Well, I want them to start spending more time on them right away. And the ones that are inside their comfort zone, I, I want them to start taking baby steps to expand their comfort zone so they eventually reach them. Because what's going to happen there, Marnie, is that they're going to discover by – because some of these things they may not have done since they were a kid, or they just know excite them but they haven't done in years. What's going to happen is when they start doing them, they're going to find out they become obsessed by them and want to do them over and over again, and that they don't want to take a break from them, and these things get them excited every time they think about them. So all of a sudden, your hints for your passions are going to come out pretty quickly. And why I had the comfort zone is some of them you just might know or always felt you wanted to do, like a rock, be a rock star, until you actually try it. So right. you know, if you go to the three things that are, that are closest to your list and you can do comfortably, and all of a sudden you realize they're not your passion anymore, but rock stars outside there, well, then I want you to get the comfort zone expanded and get there quickly so you can eliminate it if it's not really one and you just always thought it would be. But the strategy there is to make the list. That helps you define what are your passions based on those criteria I mentioned. And then go to the comfort zone and say, you know, which ones can I tackle right away and start spending those hours on to define and see if they still are my passion. And then if they're not, expand the comfort zone to get to the other ones. And the odds are good if you have a list of six things or seven things and they're from your head of what you find are the things that get you excited and ignite your belly and fire – there's pretty good odds one of those are your passion, and you're going to find it in literally months rather than, like you said, a lifetime. I love it. That is such great advice. I love the comfort zone uh, options. And I, I will almost think that, and maybe you've seen this too, I almost think that 
a lot of people will find that as they're working outward on that comfort zone thing, that maybe it's a tweak of what they really thought they loved that they find as they expand their sphere. So maybe they've ruled out being a clown, but as they go out, they're like, you know what I really love? Because I really love this other aspect that I never would have seen if I hadn't started expanding that comfort zone. Absolutely, and and yeah, you're. I mean, I I've there, there's things that were on my list when I was like when I was a kid, of course, and you know that's a great reference point. When we're a kid, we say we want to be a doctor or a rock star. Right. You know, for example, mm-hmm. definitely the rock star. I wanted to be the rock star, the actor, the comic, what have you. But I know an example is I could have just as easily said I wanted to be a doctor as an example, and. I, uh, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person I've gotten a lot better at it, but when I was younger, I used to faint at the sight of blood. Well, I'm pretty sure that if <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor and I pursued that and I fainted at the sight of blood, there's pretty good odds that I wouldn't have been able to go to the level of getting my hands dirty, for lack of a better way of saying it, in, in the world of, of the medical world that, without actually having a lot of challenges and problems and dropping out. So, you know, why not find that out now? Rather than always, and that's the other thing, why, rather than always have a regret that you never tried it. So I would have maybe thought that would have been in my comfort zone. Now, obviously, I would go to the, and this is, I think it's a, a judgment call, but I would go to the things that you can do a lot easier. You know, like the doctor thing, obviously, you're talking eight years of med school and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I'm saying use a judgment call and say, okay, leave that to the last. If it's the one that you're not willing to put or you don't want to put eight years into to find that it's not for you. But... <laughs> You know, maybe even, like I said, maybe that was a big one. Like a telltale would be, if I know I'm scared of the sight of blood, maybe I do just a little bit of research to learn how much a doctor has to be around the sight of blood. You know, that type of thing. So, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, there's people that, that spend their whole life thinking they'd love something and then try it maybe in the last few years of their life and decide that they hate it. So why not discover that earlier in life and find out if it truly is a passion rather than have it hang on forever as a possible passion that may not even be a thing you love. I love it. As you're talking, I'm thinking about my own childhood and how I wanted to be a nurse and an artist and a teacher and a pilot. And I first took flying lessons, and I realized that I didn't need to fly a plane. I was a plane. I'm a jet. I'm either flying fast and far or else I'm flat out on the tarmac getting ready for my next flight. That's who I am. That's how God built me. So I don't need to fly one. I just am one. And as far as teacher goes, I'm an author and uh, you know, I coach and all that. And then an artist, I'm creative all the time, but I am so not an artist. And as a nurse, I really don't do anything medically at all. I just encourage people and help them. And that's what you're going to find as you begin to dive into this. It may not be what you think. It may not be what you expect. It's going to be good. We're going to come right back and talk to Corey about strategies for decreasing your negative energy if you ever have any, which I'm afraid you will. So we'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Hey, Marty, back this afternoon with Corey Ferrer of thepassioncure.com. And, Corey, we were talking just before the break about living with passion. I love that. And we're going to talk right now about one of the things that saps our passion faster than anything, which is negative energy. I was just thinking uh, yesterday how everything... Everything is energy from, you know, you've got fillings in your mouth that can actually give you a shock. (laughs) I mean, everything about us is energy. So talk to us a little bit about energy first. Before we go into this positive and negative energy, just talk to us about energy. Well, I have to say, this is something that, you know, as we talked, we used the word enlightened earlier, and I had somebody wisely ask me recently, when, when did you become enlightened? And, you know, and I said, well, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I can tell you when the process started. And, you know, I know exactly when it started. And it had to do with me finding my passion, just as a, an FYI or a side note. But I will tell you the energy thing kind of, let's say, eluded me for years. So I, I really didn't understand the whole concept of everything being energy and how powerful energy is and, you know, the fact that we carry energy with us and all those kind of things. And it's only been in recent years that I've discovered, you know, how true that really is. And, and one of the big things I had all those years is I always thought of, like, yeah, there's nothing outside of me other than me. What, what energy? What are you talking about? It, I couldn't even understand how that could exist. started looking at some easy examples to demonstrate and prove to me it does. 
you know, you can look at a child or, or, or animals. You know, an animals are a great example to prove that, you know, how true the whole idea of there is a positive and negative energy that exists and we're carrying it with us. And, and we get, a tr- you know, hooked on to us and we're, you know, it's stuck to us sometimes is, you know, think about uh, when, you, when you see a, you're in a place and, and uh, say a person comes into the room and the dog just goes nuts. Let's say they're growling, they're barking, right. but they didn't right. for the last 20 people that came into the room. And that, you know, and then let's say that person leaves because of that. And let's say, you know, a month later that same person shows up and, and there's, again, maybe it's a party that you have every month or something, and the, same, the dog goes crazy again, but it's always that person. There's a reason. And, and we see it. Like, in other words, when I say that, that happens with animals all the time. You know, there's, there's the people that they connect with right away and there's people they absolutely don't connect with. All, all cling yeah. to her. And I believe that's energy. But you can also feel it as a person. So I ask people to think about, have you been in a room before when somebody comes in and everybody just kind of, you know, there's like a magnet. Everybody wants to get to know that person and goes, wow, I don't know what it is about them, but I just, I want to get to know them. You know, we see it with actors. I mean, they're larger than life. But I don't believe, I believe there's a reason. I think it's like the car, you know, which came first, the, the egg or the chicken. You know, I believe that there's a charisma that those actors have that allowed them to become the person that they were and have that much charisma. And I believe it has to do with their energy. I believe that they have a different energy level than most people, just like rock stars. I believe there's the talent, there's the, the hard work, but there's also an energy that they carry around with them. So, but I, if you go to the person, we even experience it, like I say, where there's a person comes in with a positive energy, but let's go to the flip side, a negative energy. How many times has a person listening here been in a room with somebody and this, you know, and this other person walks in and the room just changes and they haven't said a word yet? So my answer, Marnie, would be, to me, if nothing else, those demonstrate the fact that there's an energy that we carry with us and that gets stuck to us on a regular basis. On a humorous note, my daughter, when she would date, she's married now, but uh, when she would date a guy, she'd, she'd bring him by and have him uh, have our dog meet him. <laughs> and she always would judge, judge whether this was a good or a bad person based on whether the dog liked him or not. So she had something to, she had something going there. Uh, it's true, though, because uh, people can look at you and say, well, not even look at you and just say, "Is there what's the matter?" They can feel it in the air. There's something that you're transmitting when uh, something isn't quite right. Uh, that actually just generates energy from you. And there's a lot of work on this that's being done right now, especially in the past 20 years. A lot of research is being done into the into the energy field, and we've talked about that a lot on this show. Let's talk right now about strategies for decreasing negative energy and person can bring it into our sphere. We can bring it into our own sphere. A circumstance can. Negative energy is, um, I would say it's probably, the best way to think about it is it's probably like a radio wave and it is always present, available to you. (laughs) So what happens when we tune into that station and we become, or we begin to notice that there's negative energy around us? Stop watching the news. (laughs) You know, the news, typically speaking, is negative. 90% of it. Uh, My mother... Um, was diagnosed with cancer around nine years ago, and it's non-life-threatening cervical cancer. And her doctor, I always thought this was so profound, her doctor wrote a prescription for her on a pad, and it was just one little thing, and she didn't know what he wrote, and, you know, he wrote it, folded up, and handed it to her. And she just took it with her, and then when she got out and later and looked at it, it said uh, her number one prescription that he wanted her to take uh, for, for basically for battling cancer was daily. He wanted her to make sure she didn't watch or read negative and I think that speaks volumes for how much of an impact negative mm-hmm. energy can have on us. I do believe firmly, and I mean, you know, you can bring me further into this if you want, but uh, either way, I'd just like to state it that I believe firmly that the majority, and I'll go the majority, I'm not going to say it's in all cases an absolute, the majority of our diseases are caused by our mindset, and I believe it's caused by obviously a negative mindset. So I believe disease itself, you know, even that word dis-ease, is because we're not at ease with ourselves. And I believe it, it all, typically speaking, comes rooted from, obviously, what we're feeding our mind and what we're feeding our, our bodies. But I believe a big start, part of it is that negative energy that we're carrying around knowingly or unknowingly. And obviously, if it's a highly negative energy, we probably know we're carrying it. And it's probably coming out in ways that we're discouraging other people from doing stuff. And we're talking negatively to other people. Or we're just always, you know, sharing the doom and gloom rather than some of the happy moments as well. So... I guess a strategy right away, I would say, was watch less news, listen to less news, and, and, you know, and actually we talked about another strategy earlier is see who you're spending your time with and spend less time with the ones that are highly negative and, and then reduce and maybe even rid yourself of the ones that are extremely negative that you don't have a tight bond to. You know, I just read some statistics the other day. Um, one of them was that if you have a friend who is um, 
considering leaving her spouse or her guy leaving their spouse, you are 87% more likely to get a divorce yourself. If you have a close friend or relative who is overweight, you're 181% more likely to gain weight. These um, influences that we have around us are, are all around us, Corey. They, they are everywhere. There's some that we can prevent from influencing us. There's a lot that we can't. And so when you are, well, let's say that you are just in a place where you uh, recognize that there's a lot of negative influences coming toward you, but you really can't leave at the moment for whatever. What is your practice? And then I'll share mine. Absolutely. And if if I can, Marnie, I'll share a great story that I just heard just this past week that I I think actually speaks for how somebody else did it. Now, you know, by saying this, I'm going to say that it's it's what I do too. So it it answers my question as well. Actually, I'll give you two quick ones. One is uh, we had a guest in the show by the name of Rick Hansen. And a lot of our Canadian uh, guests and listeners would know of Rick. He's, um, he's, they call him the Man in Motion. He had a Man in Motion tour. Uh, he had an accident at 15 years old and had a spinal cord injury. And he was, you know, I, so people always say, oh, he's just an inspirational guy and he inspires people, so he's automatically inspired. So I wanted to ask Rick, are you inspired every day when you wake up? And he said, absolutely not. I have to actually, uh, every day I have to practice inspiration. And one of his really good friends uh, was Terry Fox, who a lot of people would know. And he would call Terry for inspiration, and Terry would call him. So every day he had to keep inspiring himself. And I'm going to explain how this relates to your question. But Zig Ziglar, I mentioned earlier, I was at a seminar last week with his son Tom, and Tom was sharing that when he used to show up at an airport and they would say, your flight's either going to be delayed or canceled, he would say, fantastic. (laughs) They would look at him like, what's going on with this guy? And he would say, this is perfect. He said, because there's only three reasons a flight would be canceled. You know, one, there's something wrong with the plane. One, there's something wrong with the weather, or, or, of course, the last one is there's something wrong with the flight crew. And he said, in either case, I'd rather be down here than up there. And, but he added in, and he said, and, per, and furthermore, he said, i got a lot of work to do, and you just gave me the gift of the best office I'll ever find, 50,000 square feet, open windows, uh, restaurants all over that I can choose from. So he basically decided that instead of making the flight, he was going to set up shop at the airport and make that his office and get a bunch of stuff done while he's waiting for another flight. So. What I'm getting at with both Rick and Zig, and I'm going to say add myself in, is what we do, I believe, and what Zig did, is we daily put deposits in the positive tank so that when we reach that situation that we can't escape, that it doesn't hit us or impact us anywhere near what it would impact a person who doesn't have any strategy. So, you know, if if I'm, I'm coming into it already, you know, I said right off the top, I'm doing fantastic, and it's absolutely true. Well, daily I'm doing fantastic because I've, I have a cumulative of days where I've been doing fantastic, and I've constantly tried to find ways to feed my brain in a positive way. So that one day I have a negative day, it's almost like I said about if you're surrounding yourself by X amount of people. Well, if you're surrounding yourself by 10 negative and, sorry, 10 positive and two negative, and the two negative are the ones that have to stay in your life, you're going to have a lot more strength to deal with that than the person that's, that doesn't have that balance. So just much the same, if you have 29 uh, positive days a month and then you get hit with that negative day you just mentioned where you can't get out of it, I believe that you are going to be equipped to deal with that day and go through it like it never happened versus somebody who every day just kind of takes it as it comes. Uh, and this is Marty Sweather. We're visiting with Corey Perrier of the PassionCure.com. We're going to come right back and talk about negative and positive energy just a little bit more, and I'd like to share what I do when I'm in that situation. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more, all available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. We're visiting today with Corey Torrier of the... He's an author. You can find out more about him by going over to thepassioncure.com. And we've been talking today about better life strategies. We're going to end the program talking about how to increase positive energy. And, Corey, we were just right before the break, you were sharing, uh, you know, some strategies to reduce negative and how to stay positive. I was thinking that one of my favorite things to do, and and I'm just talking to God all day long, I I feel like um, my relationship with God is like a dolphin with air. I'm a dolphin is a water breather, uh, but it, I mean a water dweller, but an air breather. And I figure I'm an earth dweller, but a prayer breather. So I'm just talking to God all the time, constantly every few minutes. 
But uh, one of the things I love to do is even before I open my eyes in the morning, I just start talking to him, and I just I just kick into the Lord's prayer. So instead of doing it rote, like, um, you know, just kicking in, you know, our Father which art in heaven like that, I just start and I just personalize it all the way through. Morning, Daddy. I am so excited that you are up in heaven and above all this trouble and you are here with me down on earth and you're giving me perspective and health and I love your name and all that you are. And I just go through it and very much personalize it. Corey, when I do that, starting in the day, drawing on the power of God and, and more than I can even have of myself, I just find that all through the day, just like having a good, healthy breakfast, all through the day, there's there's more energy for me to have to share with other people in a positive way than if I start on my own and then just going through the day with God instead of going through the day on my own. I just love that. When you think about increasing positive energy, um, what are the things that people can do like right in the moment where they're feeling an assault of negative or possibly they're getting discouraged about something or maybe becoming fearful? What are some of the things that you encourage people to do? Well, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, when I mention reducing negative energy, it's, it's a lot to do with reducing negative influence in your life and, and in your environment. So positive is kind of the, I guess you'd say, the opposite scenario. You know, it's, it's kind of taking a, a adding, adding some positive into your life. But there's definitely some strategies, and I kind of alluded to a couple earlier as well. Uh, for instance, an in-the-moment thing that a person can do if they're feeling overwhelmed, and it sounds so small, but it's been proven to have a massive impact, is proper breathing. And so mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. don't have any, I'm going to say, experience in or lessons in proper breathing, they might think about the lunch when I say proper breathing. Um, you know, there's not enough time for me to go into uh, the detail of what that means. But what I will say is we don't fully breathe into our bodies the way we're to say is one thing a person can do right in the moment is, first of all, you know, maybe the strategy before it even happens is right now to learn about proper breathing and then practice proper breathing. Uh, I mean, you can, even if you don't know proper breathing, I mean, I think most of us know when we're stressed a lot, you know, we automatically breathe deeper. And that's because it's our body's, almost they say fight or flight, that's our body's fighting mechanism. So what I would say is learn about proper breathing techniques and, you know, meditate, in a, let's say proactive, you could meditate more, and that'll actually get you more prepared for those times when you hit the negative, and it'll also allow those to kind of go glide over you a lot easier. But secondly, if you're in the moment and you're stuck in it, uh, when people have an anxiety attack, for example, I used to have panic attacks, it took me a long time to learn, but meditating and proper breathing is what actually will allow you to get out of those a lot quicker. So that would be the immediate thing I would say. If they're stuck in the bubble, they're right there, and they're saying, how do I have a strategy right now? Well, that's what I would say is learn proper breathing or, you know, one of the two. Right now, uh, let's go back to let's go back to the breathing because one of the things that really helped me with the breathing was to just slow my breathing down so that I was just taking three to five breaths per minute. And once I learned to do that, then I was then I was much more able to um, tap into this. There's so much. Let's just talk about breathing because there's so much right here by itself. When you breathe, you reoxygenate your entire body, and that is giving energy back where energy just was sapped away. It's it's a super fast way to re-energize your body. Um, one of the things that I, I had a problem doing is I had a problem understanding where to focus my thoughts as I was breathing, and I just doing it in the pool this morning as I was swimming laps. I would just breathe in Jesus and breathe out Jesus and breathe in Jesus and breathe out Jesus. And breathe in. You know, you, it's my meditation to just focus on, you know, the the one I love the most, just Jesus and you can do this. Uh, it, it can really, it can really change a situation quickly if you feel your stress level rising. Corey, when you um, when you were interviewing the three thousand super achievers, they had their passion and they lived lived on purpose. What were a couple of the other things that super achievers did? Yeah, absolutely. One of them I can explain from a. Uh, well, we had Jack Canfield. We mentioned Jack earlier. We had him on the show, and I always loved this equation that he used to share that was E plus R equals O. And what I will say is it's powerful enough that, and I'll explain what it is, but if it's powerful, it's powerful enough that somebody listening right now, if they take this one thing away from today, I think it could change their life. And what it stands for is E is the event, R is the reaction, and E is the outcome. And so what it really means is that we're hit with events all day, every day, every minute of the day. You know, somebody cuts us off in traffic. Um, they, we get into a recession in the world. And we can't control the event. It's, it's going to happen. We can control, which is really cool, the outcome by choosing our reaction. 
it took me a long time to understand this. It sounds so simple and basic, but it's hugely powerful. So to be actually be able to take two seconds or a minute or whatever and think before you react to something that just happened and choose the outcome that's going to give you the, the – sorry, choose the reaction that's going to give you the best outcome that you're looking for, this can be a game changer and, and a life changer for the people that are willing to do it. And what I've noticed, tying it back to the enlightened super achievers, is they practice this really well. So when I asked them about the recession, 2008, you know, how are you going to continue through this and still thrive, they said, what recession? I chose not to participate. And what that really <laughs> said to me is that they basically decided their reaction was to just continue on as if it didn't happen and still reach for the same goals they had always reached for. So the event was happening. They chose the reaction and their outcome, by the way, not surprisingly, most of those people now, uh, I'm still in contact with them. They're thriving, and they thrived all the way through the recession. Let's say it's safe to say Disney as a company thrived through the recession. Why? Because Disney kept expanding. They kept doing all the things that made Disney Disney while the recession occurred, whereas other companies that were, you know, attraction businesses would say, well, maybe we should have less staff working. So, you know, that's a powerful thing that I find super achievers and enlightened super achievers do is they practice that equation, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And then if I go to a, a third one, lifelong learners are leaders. So we talked yeah. earlier about how, uh, you know, I read my first book at 27. What I've discovered in the 12 years since is that these super achievers that I've been spending time with are almost all consistently investing in, whether it's time or money, ways to continue to feed their brain and their mind and grow their, their mindset. And that could mean to them, you could mean learning, you know, meditation. It could mean reading a certain book. It could mean listening to a podcast. But whatever way it is, they're constantly trying to continue to grow their perspectives. Awesome. This is Marnie Sleven. We've been visiting today with our wonderful guest, Dory Perrier of the PassionCure.com. You want to go over and check that out. Um, also, you can sign up there to get his new book that's coming out shortly. Uh, that will be free for the first month, so don't miss that. Thanks for being here, Corey. Had a fun ta- hour with you. Thank you so much, Marnie. It's been my absolute pleasure, and I always try to remember to tell everybody uh, at the end of a conversation that I hope you find ways today, and I hope all your listeners find ways to live with passion. Thanks, and thank you all for being here once again because you're all here around the front page of Blog Talk Radio. That happens a lot because of you. So thanks for being our listeners. Thanks for sharing the word, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.